0: Welcome to our first ever episode of Revenue on the Rocks. I'm Natalie Marcatulio, the head of growth at Nevatic, and I'm going to be co-hosting this with my head of sales and go-to-market partner, Ben Pearson.
1: Natalie mentioned my name is Ben, uh, head of sales here at Nevatic. I work very closely with Natalie, and at this point, I think it's fair to say good friend uh, as well as obviously go-to-market partner. Well, cheers. I feel like we have to start with the cheers since it's revenues on, revenue on the rocks. I would love to know what you're drinking, but I don't want you to ask what I'm drinking.
0: Perfect. Yes. Cheers. I got some red wine with me. I literally went to the wine store today because I realized I was out.
1: I'm drinking this really cool niche beer from a small brewery that you've probably never, never heard of. It's called Bud Light. Um, so, yeah, pretty good.
0: I realized as we we're talking about this, we did not give any explanation for why we're doing this podcast or why we're here. I think there's a lot of great B2B podcasts already out there that are more traditional interview style. And we're trying to think of something what could be a little more casual, but still actually really insightful. I promise it's not just us drinking. We're going to offer some advice and help. And one thing I've noticed when talking with a lot of marketers is that they're constantly frustrated by their sales counterparts or how to work with sales. And I think that's been something that's been really unique. And one thing I've loved about working here is getting to work with you and our go-to-market relationship. So we wanted to kind of share some learnings that we've had talk very openly about how we've gotten to where we are, how sales and marketing has worked in the past, and hope we could share some insights.
1: One thing I was thinking a lot about is I do feel like there's probably a little bit of webinar or podcast fatigue out there, right? I know I feel that. And as a small startup, as you're trying to get your name out there, you feel like you have to put up this facade that maybe you're bigger than you are and get a lot of content out there and and sort of be in everybody's face. And we we didn't want to just be another podcast or another webinar. So we wanted to add some sort of fun twist. And, you know, outside of the marketing and sales relationship, I think, you know, also if you're someone who's young or maybe in your first executive role or leadership role on a go-to-market team, this is my first time leading a go-to-market team. And Natalie, I know this is your second, you have a little more experience than I do, but uh, there's so much that we know today that we didn't know a year and a half ago, and we're excited to share some of those tips. So stick around if you're a first-time go-to-market leader, and hopefully you can pick some things up.
0: No one teaches you how to do a startup or work at a startup. It's a lot of learning on the fly, so I'm hoping we can share some of our mistakes and learnings to make it a little easier. And then on top of all that, honestly, this is kind of supposed to be a fun excuse to for us to talk, for us to have a drink on a Thursday afternoon. Hopefully for you all as well. You know, go grab a glass if you want to join us. And Ben touched on this a little bit before we dive into the actual content, I figured it also would be helpful to give a little bit of our backgrounds, talk about like why we're so passionate about this topic. So, I can I can go ahead and start since I'm on the mic, but I have a background in as Ben mentioned, done a startup before, have a background in SEO and actually like growth and digital marketing. Then eventually moved into more full funnel marketing, and part of that was sales ops. Kind of did it out of necessity rather than any real experience or background in it. But it wasn't until sales ops that I really ever interacted with sales or understood what they did or understood how hard it was, and, and we'll get to that in a second. But from that moment on, it made me realize how much more valuable my marketing was, how much better I could be when I understood the down funnel effects, being part of sales ops, seeing where the data goes. And it really clicked of great marketers have this connection with sales. So when I came over to Nevada and I remember Ben and I's first chat during my interview, I was like, I want this to be a partnership. I want to learn from each other. I don't want this to be siloed. So I've never done sales. I have huge respect for it, but I have worked very closely with sales teams.
1: I cut my teeth in tech uh, starting at Square for about three years and really started all the way at the bottom kind of ground floor. I started as a BDR, grinding, making those 60, 70 cold calls a day, all the way up to an AE and beyond. So I was at Square for about three years. That is when the fire to join a startup uh, was really lit under me. Not because obviously Square was really startup stage at that point, but I was a part of the uh, St. Louis team. Um, which was still fairly new when I joined and had the honor to work under some pretty impressive leaders and kind of watch them create a winning culture and and see some of that growth around me. That's when I realized, man, eventually I want to build something with my own two hands and take some of these lessons that I have learned and and apply it. So was at Square for about three years and then joined Front, which is another YC startup, Um, worked under some pretty incredible leaders over there, Andrew Berger uh, individually and uh, learned a lot about SaaS, and then got the opportunity to come on board here at Novatic. So my experience with the marketing team as an IC was nothing other than, quite frankly, making fun of the marketing team in specific Slack groups with other AEs when we were complaining about lead quality, lead value, things of that nature. That was my only interaction with marketing, which was effectively none.
0: So then to start, what is, I guess, some things that typically bother you, or if you want to talk generally salespeople about marketing?
1: Yeah, let's take the gloves off. Let's have some fun here. So stepping back and prefacing with this is not how I feel about marketing now, but this is the stereotypes that I think are felt by a lot of ICs out there and AEs. And every single AE listening to this is going to start nodding their head is, you know, first and foremost, the people who sell, people who are in sales, like let's just call spade a spade, generally very confident individuals. They think probably really highly of their skill set. They're excited to be out competitive and winning. And we just kind of view marketers as people who can't sell. You market because you couldn't sell. Uh, That's not necessarily true, True. that's not necessarily fair, but I do think that sales reps hold themselves to this high pedestal of, well, you're in marketing because you can't do what I do. You couldn't sell it, so you're just trying to help me uh, uh, get more leads. Um, I think the other thing too is the output of sales is so tangible and revenue specific right? Like I have a quota, our team has a goal, you can see how Ben's performing, you can see how the sales team at Nevada is doing and the goals are crushing all these sorts of things. I can't necessarily just open a dashboard and see what Natalie has done or how many cold calls Natalie has, has made today or, or things of that nature. So sales is a meritocracy. And we are judged fair or unfair all of the time on our performance. And we don't maybe feel like marketing is held to that same standard which maybe doesn't feel fair because a lot of our job is tied to marketers performance. So if the leads run dry, if the leads aren't very high quality, it's much easier to say, Hey, I'm not pacing well to my number because marketing sucks. than, Hey, I'm not pacing well to my number because all these things I'm doing on the sales side, that could, could be better. So, um, there's a lot there. I probably have a little bit more. Anyone's in particular, you want to dive into
0: point about, you know, marketers are marketers because they couldn't sell I honestly hadn't heard that until we were doing a prep session for this. And I think that's so funny because in my mind, like sales was never an option. It wasn't like, and I've never really, I haven't talked to many marketers. I've seen some make the transition, but I've talked to many marketers who was like, yeah, I really wanted to do sales, but I couldn't cut it. So I did marketing because on all honesty, exactly what you said. I never thought I had, I had it in me to do market or to do sales. And so that's why I think a lot of marketers just never saw themselves as that personality type. And that's one thing I want to touch on a lot, and we'll get to that. But we just never saw ourselves as salespeople just because we, I think, marketers, similarly to salespeople, have this perception of themselves. We have this perception of ourselves of we're creative types. You know, we are, yes, we're not revenue-driven, but we we like to think creatively and help people and educate people. I, I think that's part of the reason also there's sometimes this misalignment
1: it gets back to how we are, are judged right like sales reps your performance i and you know this is maybe a little bit redundant but sales reps their performance is so publicly available you know it is so it is so tangible to see is ben working hard or not you can look at ben's calendar does he have a bunch of meetings is he making a bunch of calls is he sending out a bunch of emails our performance is public for everybody so because of that i think we're always a little bit on edge right and we always feel like we're a little better than everybody else because you know you can't see uh, meetings on engineering's calendar or products calendar and you know sometimes when i'm on my seventh call of the day and i'm exhausted and annoyed i'm like well what the hell is marketing up to like i'm working so freaking hard um so i think a lot of aes and ic's kind of had this idea that marketers just kind of sit back maybe work on like fun projects like making the website look really aesthetic and um you know creating obviously leads for us that never seem to be good enough for sales reps so i think there's just a lot of uh, sales performances tied to marketers so you're sort of an easy scapegoat
0: from the marketing perspective that is funny it's like you were saying oh what is marketing doing all day they're not on calls so marketers sometimes And it was not until I started shadowing calls and fully understanding or listening to calls, I was like, they just chat with people all day. That's so easy. All I have to do is talk with people, sell a cool product, versus, you know, I'm in the weeds, I'm writing emails and doing social and doing this. So it is funny how we all just have this inflated version of ourselves. Like no matter what we're doing, the other department isn't working hard and we are. But I do really think, you know, we've talked about goals and goal misalignment. I think that's a pretty common talk track right now. You know, the reason marketing and sales isn't aligned is because marketing's tied to MQLs, sales is tied to revenue, which is true. I think that's a big part of it. But I think what we're trying to touch on more is the fact that we're just very different people inherently. And I don't think we take enough time to think about why we're different and how to get along and get to know each other versus just blaming it on a business goal. Because ultimately, I I, I didn't understand sales and their value, as I mentioned. I just thought they chatted with people all day until... I literally had to try it. I think one time my old co-founder tried to make me do a demo and I stood there in fear. And I was like, oh, this is much harder. And then I listened to some sales calls and I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. So I think it's more a misunderstanding than necessarily. It is the goals and it is all that. But I think that's the biggest reason in my eyes. We talked about, you know, mutual understanding, respect for one another. But besides that, Ben, when you were even looking for this role or when I was joining, what do you typically look at a marketing look for in a marketing counterpart?
1: I think my answer now, honestly, is a lot different than, than what it would have been. I never would have even considered the importance of the relationship with my go-to-market partner in, in marketing. I always said, when especially if you're going to be joining a startup, but not even if you're joining a startup, if you're joining any company. Obviously the first and most important thing is you got to chat with the founders, you've got to know who you are getting in a relationship with. Are you aligned on how to grow the business and how to run the business? The second thing I would tell anybody who's considering joining an executive position and the sales seat, go talk to the marketer. Do you get along with that individual? Do you see eye to eye? Like, I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to identify all that on some initial interviews, but if you're not asking to speak with your go-to-market, like co-partner, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. And it's something that I would tell anybody what I would say now based on our experience, you have to, you, you, you just have to trust that individual to do their job. There are plenty of things, Natalie, that like I could point to in the last you know, year and a half, two years of us working together at Nevada where you've been like, this is the right move, or like, we need to do this for our brand. And, and maybe I wasn't totally bought in, or maybe I didn't necessarily see it that way, but it's that trust that Natalie has proven over and over again that you are obviously amazing at your job and um, you know, the, the trust that we have for each other. And, and when I tell you, hey, Natalie, I know you're working really hard on A, B, and C, but you know, these leads haven't been awesome because of this, right? I really think we need to shift our focus to this. You trust that I am relaying what I'm hearing from our prospects. So I think that trust is um, is definitely a huge point, and that trickles all the way down to obviously alignment, like we were just talking about.
0: If you don't trust your counterpart, one, you're you're probably not aligned. So you're probably doing one thing and they're doing another because you don't trust what they're doing. And then not only are you wasting time, but you're probably spending way too much time kind of being in their business. And I think we've all been there. Like I've totally done this before. Where You know one department's doing something you don't necessarily like or you don't necessarily trust as a decision they made. So you spend time looking into their data, trying to figure out why it's not the right decision and just ruminating on it versus working on your own stuff. So when thinking about what to look for, it's it's hard to say just someone you generally trust because that's hard to get on first impressions. But I think there are other things to get there. So when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how I really look for a sales counterpart who... I know has generally a more maybe empathetic type of sales, cares about the buying process, and cares about the prospect. And I think this has been a stereotype of sales, kind of going back to that first question of why do sales not typically get along? I think on marketing then, there's always a little bit of stereotype of the really aggressive seller. I think we've all unfortunately had a situation where you got a cold call and the person just would not let you off the phone and you had to hang up on them or... I. I've been screamed at by a BDR internally before, and I won't go into the full detail of that. Not here at Nevada, but at other companies. And I think that's that one bad experience really taints their mind and gets us really scared sometimes when interacting with salespeople. So I do think it's very important. And look, like being salesy, being pushy isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I also would say it really depends on your client base. Like some clients, if you're selling to sales, they might actually really respect that. But you have to still feel comfortable with the person and ultimately agree with the way they're selling to a degree or understand while they're doing it in order to trust them. So it's it's hard to figure out. I think there are certain ways, things you can ask in the interview process. Ask them about their typical sales process. Ask them how they run discovery. Ask them about what methodology, if you're into that, they follow. And I, I feel like as sales or as marketers, we don't typically think that's important to ask, but it gives you an idea of how they do their sales process and if that aligns with something you trust and are comfortable
1: with. I think it's really, really important to be able to work with your marketer and trust them that you know we, we really are the boots on the ground. And um, if this thing really is going to work, that trust needs to flow all the way up to the founders. And you have to be able to be someone who's you know in those leadership meetings, um, really standing firm on, on what you know to be right, even if it's harder to convince the founders of that initially. So I think when you are looking to join somebody in what I would look for uh, in, a, in a marketing uh, co-partner here would be someone who's confident in their ability and not afraid to, to push founders and sort of stand firm on what they know is right. I think that's extremely important, especially with startups.
0: One thing that's hard about marketing, and I think one reason, honestly, we're a tiny bit resentful of sales, is we don't usually get as much leverage because we are not revenue generating. So when it comes to big decisions, a lot of times marketing might not be in the room because, oh, their opinion doesn't matter. They're not affecting revenue. But any decision is affecting the brand and affecting you know, how you position yourself. So it is so important that we're there. And I think this is hard as marketers. Like, I wish I could say I have a magic formula to how to get yourself in the room. I find that that's why I started getting into operations and why I got past marketing. So that suddenly I was the one pulling the numbers and I was the one doing the analysis. So when it came to big decisions, people will just eventually like, oh, Natalie will have some data on that or have some good insights. We should invite her. So sometimes you, it's hard. Like at a small startup, you have a little bit more of that way. Sometimes you do have to push beyond your marketing comfort zone. And that's how you can get a little bit of that confidence to speak up and to be part of the bigger decisions. because. It is it's hard for marketers. like we Again, we're not revenue generating. We often spend a lot of money. We can often be seen as the frivolous ones. So I think really taking steps, and that's where aligning again with your sales counterpart can be so helpful in working together because then suddenly it's not just you in a room making your spiel, it's also the salesperson. But I think as a marketer, if you ever want to try a new campaign or you want to test something out or get more budget for something, the best thing you can do is get a small group of salespeople Do like a tiger team, test it out. And then if it works, you get a salesperson to say, this is some of the best leads I've gotten. That line, you're golden.
1: Kind of press pause and actually rewind to something that you said, because I think it's worth a conversation is, yes, marketing is not revenue generating, but marketing is brand building. And if you would have asked me a year and a half ago, what's more important, Ben, what is the number one thing you care about at Nevada? I would say revenue generating revenue, crushing our targets, revenue, revenue, revenue. That's all I care about. That's not all I care about. That's the number one thing I care about. Now, if you ask me that same question, it's not even a thought in my mind, it's brand. And that is a result of working very closely with marketing. Revenue is still number two, um, but brand is king. When you are selling or working in an extremely competitive market like we are, Brand doesn't mean how much money you go out and raise, how many posts on LinkedIn you make, or how much of a big splash you make. Brand is, are prospects excited to have a conversation with you? Are they renewing? Are they excited to tell their friends about the sales experience that they had? Are they excited to show their friends the new interactive demo that they built? Are they excited to deploy it? Are you seeing your name all over you know, all of these slack social channels or dark social on LinkedIn. This is brand and this is how you build a sustainable business, especially in the macroeconomic climate that we are in. That is pretty daunting. It's not revenue that is is necessarily on top or king here. It is absolutely brand. And if nobody takes anything else away from this, if you're sitting in a sales seat, learn that lesson fast. It revenue is, is massive and it is so important. But your brand is what you're building a business on
0: then I'm going to make like a gif of you saying brand is king and post it to every marketing group I know and just watch every marketer probably have a heart attack. That was honestly like I can quit. I can quit my job. I can quit life. Just to hear my head of sales say brand is king as a marketer was an amazing moment. So I do have to pause for a second and just thank you for something that will probably carry me throughout every bad day now on.
1: Every sales leader listening to this is probably screaming, you traitor at the screen right now. Um, I've I've betrayed my people, but um, no, the the good revenue leaders are nodding their head right now and know that that brand is what business is built on for longevity.
0: And I think the way from a marketing perspective, I thought about brand and we're just going entirely off topic now, but I think it's important when we talk about brand or sales and marketing alignment. Right now, it is so competitive. It is easier than ever to build a SaaS product. And now people have limited budget, so it's even more competitive. And if we think about how you can stand out and how you can win, it's not gonna be feature functionality anymore. Everyone has engineers now. Everyone can match the features. Everyone has insights into what you're building in your product. So ultimately, and I always compare this to B2C, but think about some of the big brands that are still making it. If you only have so much budget, are you just gonna build like buy a random t-shirt that you don't trust? Or are you going to buy the t-shirt that was recommended to you by five friends and you've seen all over all your Instagram and on billboard ads? You're gonna go with the brand you know and trust. So yes, it can seem very fluffy, but I think especially right now, when it's easier than ever to match for feature parity or all these other things, it's that's the thing that's going to set you
1: apart. And that was the piece I was going to piggyback off. That starts at the top with the marketing and sales leader being aligned and buying in above all, all else on brand.
0: Love it. I think at this point, we've done a lot of you know high-level strategy talk. I think it's been really interesting. Hopefully, we didn't upset too many people. But I did want to dive into some actionable tips that people could take away from. So I wanted us both to list a few very actionable ways that sales and marketing could work better together. I think the first one and the most important thing I've done as a marketer, I'm going to emphasize this again, is just talk with sales, have one-on-ones with individual sales reps. Don't just do it as a group and ask them, what do you think of these leads versus these leads? Ask them like why they liked them or didn't like them. And I think it is really important you do that in a one-to-one concept because there can be groupthink where everyone's like, oh, yeah, those were fine because no one wants to insult you to your face. So meet with AEs, meet with BDRs, and really just get their feedback on your leads because that is also a much easier way to determine where you should put budget than having to go and dive into HubSpot reports. And I, I love HubSpot reports, but it becomes very clear soon what works and what doesn't. And you can just see it on the, the salesperson's face when you ask them about a certain quality. So that's my tip number one. Ben, anything to add there, like on the sales side too, of kind of how you can surface if you like or don't like
1: leads? Nothing to surface there other than what you just described will prevent your sales team from thinking that your marketing team doesn't care or that they are just disinterested generally in your ability to hit your quota. Because if you are an AE, especially at like a larger company, and you have something in marketing being like, hey, dude, how are the leads going? Can can I buy you a coffee and like pick your brain about like what is going well and what is it? Then that AE, that BDR, whoever that may be is like, wow, like this is really cool. Like my marketing team actually wants my opinion. They're going to listen to me. And ultimately they care that not just that they're bringing leads in and hitting their, their lead quota, but they care about the quality. And they want to make sure that I have an opportunity to close revenue and, and hit my goals as well. So... If you might feel like your relationship is somewhat tenuous with your sales team, start by just asking them how things are going and they're going to feel like you you really do care. It goes a long way.
0: And one other thing I'll add to that, circling back to Ben's point at the beginning of, you know, if sales isn't doing great, they might blame the marketing leads. This is kind of a way to, to gut check that because they they might be right. The leads you might be bringing in might not be good. and That's okay. There are so many channels. You can just try a new one. But that's also kind of protects you if, you know, things aren't going as well, you, you know, for a fact, okay, no, I did bring in good leads. I talked to the sales team about this.
1: Okay, cool. This one is for sales leaders. So we talked a little bit about uh, at the beginning of the call, how I think it's pretty easy for salespeople to, to be like, what the hell are is marketing up to today? Like I'm slammed, what's marketing doing? And you're one-on-ones with your marketing co-partner, ask them, what initiatives are you working on right now? Because I promise you, you are going to be blown away and really excited.
0: So I think it's my turn for a tip. I've said this like five times, so I'm going to keep this brief, but listen to sales calls. I promise you, you're going to get so much inspiration and so much messaging because you're going to hear the customer describe or the prospect why they took the call or what they're interested in. And suddenly it's just going to click and you're going to know so much more about your personas.
1: Dang it. That was mine. Um... But I do have one, one final one that I will say, simplistic, be friends with the person you, with your marketer. Like, honestly, that person should be your best friend in the company. You should be chatting with that person every single day, Uh, develop that relationship at work, outside of work. Like Natalie's like best friend at work, really good friend overall. Like you should be very good friends with the person you work with and it will help.
0: Yes, it's very easy for us to say be friends, talk more, get along. How do you think people tangibly do that? And then, was there something in our relationship where you're like, oh, I suddenly feel like more comfortable talking to them, or that we've hit that point?
1: My answer is going to be so salesy that it's people are going to it's going to drive people nuts. Salespeople really respect performance. So if you think or like for me in our relationship, Natalie, like this is a long time ago, but you. I know, I can't even exactly remember what it was, but there were specific things, a campaign an idea an initiative where I was just like, oh my gosh, that is such a good idea. Like, holy cow, I never would have thought of that. Um, Salespeople really, really reflect performance because it is how we are, are viewed by everybody else in the company. Sales reps are first and foremost, you know, people know your name and they know if you're a good rep. That's what they know about salespeople. So inadvertently salespeople sort of look at other people the same way. Natalie, that's our head of marketing. She's awesome. Natalie, that's our head of marketing. She's no good. That's how we sort of view people, right?
0: So we're going to wrap it up now. Appreciate everyone listening to our first episode. And Ben, how'd you think it went?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Excited to hear what everybody else thought. And if there are any specific topics that you want us to dive into in a very genuine and honest and, uh, honest way. And let us know what we should try as far as drinks go in the future.
0: Yes. Let us know. Any feedback you have, good, bad, alcohol, all's welcome. We're going to be releasing these bi-weekly and we're going to mix it up. We're going to have a mix of us and then also some guests come on, also talk to them about sales and marketing. But let us know how we did for the first one. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone.